pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. And welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFRCLAYTON. And joining me as always. I'm Jeff Uvino. You can find me on Twitter at RealJUVEINO. Well, this past week, the schedule was released. And with that, the Bills have the most primetime games than they have had almost in this millennium. I think the last time they had this many was in like, what, 2000 and 2002, somewhere around 1996. there? 1996. Four primetime games in one season? Like, that's almost the accumulation of how many you and I have seen in our lifetime during the drought era of the Bills. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the stage they have, the, the teams they play on those stages, it's going to be an exciting season. Yeah, and that's really the big thing, the big takeaway from the schedule being released this past week was – that the Bills have four primetime games, two of them at home. And most significantly to me is Sunday Night Football at home against the Steelers. I mean, you and I had just talked about this before the show. The last time the Bills hosted Sunday Night Football was in 2008 against the Patriots, a game that we'd like to forget. But, in, you know, to me, Sunday night is the biggest game of the week. It's usually the best of the primetime games with the consistently the best matchup. And so I think that means a lot to – the league kind of showing how they view the Buffalo Bills that they gave them Sunday night at home against the Steelers. And then your other home primetime game, though it be Thursday night, playing the, the defending Super Bowl champions at home and on primetime. And no matter what night of the week it is, that's an exciting game. So there's definitely a lot of focal points in this schedule, more so than we're used to. I mean, you talk about that Thursday night football game. Personally, I've just never been a fan of Thursday night football. It's Neither always just it's always just crammed into the middle of my week. It's just like why why do we have Thursday night football? I understand high school's on Friday, college is on Saturday. Okay, so let's keep it that way and just not have any Thursday night football. Personally, I agree with you. I tend to like Sunday night football the best. I think that that's the main event of the week to me. It I is. know I know it used to be Monday night football, but ever since their old uh, crew of uh, announcers and whatnot moved on, like John Gruden and what and what have you, uh, it's ever it's just taken a nosedive. And Booger McFarlane and, and Joe, I forget his last name, but they're they're play by play analysts. He he got they both got removed from their roles on Monday night football. And I mean, I I was happy to see that. Not that I'm incur- not that I'm happy to see guys get fired from their jobs. It's just that Booger McFarlane kind of made that product almost unwatchable because with how bad his analysis was on a literally a play-to-play basis his analysis was just utter garbage yeah and the matchups also definitely didn't help I know that when ABC used to have um, Monday Night Football you know that was before you and I were born or when we were we were too little to remember watching the games they would have better matchups is my understanding and now that ESPN has it I don't know if they I mean, it seems like NBC just pays a lot, a lot of money and they get the best game. I mean, that's the only logical explanation I can think of it. I'm actually, I know you can't see this and people listening can't see this, but I was just glancing at my desktop and I have a screenshot of an article I wrote last October titled Get Rid of Thursday Night Football. And <laughs> the, the picture, which this is a picture taken by uh, Jay Bigerstaff from USA Today Sports, is of Patrick Mahomes. So how fitting. 
But when the thing about these primetime games is the matchups really make them. If there's one game that everybody has to watch, it's the only thing on, you want a good matchup. And I think that's why Sunday Night Football has become the best. Now, Thursday night, is you, you're getting your, your yearly Jaguars versus Titans. They don't have it this year. Horrendous game. They don't have it this year. <laughs> it God. seems like that's on every year, though, or you'll get, like, Raiders versus Bears. whoop de frickin do No, you, this year it's Rams versus Bears. You're, I, no, yeah, yeah, it's Rams versus Bears on Thursday Night Football. I remember last year trying to watch that game. It was awful. Just not good matchups. But, when, but if the games are better, it makes it – it makes it better to watch. You know, if you're getting Sunday night quality games on Thursday night, then that's more attractive to me. So that'll, that's a big game for the Bills, another big game. I mean, it's a lot more attractive of a game to a national audience as well than when the Bills and Jets used to used to do battle on Thursday night football over the last 10 years. Right. I'm sure you remember all those games. I, I hate Thursday night football the most. Honestly, actually, the first game I ever went to – was a Thursday night football game. And it was the time that uh, they played the Dolphins. It was their first primetime game, I believe, since that Cowboys game that for some reason people were just diving all over on Twitter. I thought there was going to be podcasts recorded about it the next day. You know, did you see the rerun? I didn't watch it, but they reran the Bills Cowboys game. I watched a little bit of it. I I watched an offensive series and a defensive series. So I could go, oh, shit, I remember when those guys were on the team, but that was it for me. I mean, watching Trent Edwards back there throw the ball, is just, it just, I just couldn't do it. Touching on that matchup point that you had brought up, the matchups on Monday Night Football. And, you know, we had a leak saying that the Bills were going to play in Vegas on Monday Night Football. We had a leak about that. We reported it during all of, all of the leaks of the schedule and whatnot. And – um there was a rumor we were discussing amongst ourselves. Oh, well, can they put, will they put two to the same team on Monday night football twice? And they definitely do put a lot of teams on Monday night football twice. Mm-hmm. But when you look at those teams that they put on Monday night football twice, you're talking about the Browns, the jets, I, the, the NFC champion 49ers, but then you go back to the abysmal giants, the Steelers who didn't have a quarterback for, for both or their quarterback for both of those games. And you're talking about just just awful matchups. I'm not tuning in on a Monday night to watch the Jets. I mean, I might I might have for that Patriots game when they got blown out, 33 to nothing. I think that was the ghost game. And it, like like you talked about, the matchups just haven't been there for Monday Night Football, and neither has the production. I've always been more of a fan of the Sunday Night Football production. They make it feel like it's a big event. They make it feel like it's a big game because that's really what it is. That's what these stages are for. It's for the the big time teams and big time situations and on a part of their schedule where this game has a lot riding on it. That's why you see the giants play the Philadelphia Eagles two or three times a year. No, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. They only play each other twice. That's why you always <laughs> see them play on Sunday night football. That's why you always see the NFC East play on Sunday night football. Cause that's a division where there's three horses in the race typically every single year. But now with this season, you're seeing the bills have a th- their first Thursday night or their first prime time game on Thursday night against the defending Super Bowl champions. And this is a game where you're having back-to-back uh, road games. You're coming off of back-to-back road games, one in which you have to go to Vegas. The next day you have to go to Tennessee. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage their time, their traveling, and their uh, schedules and whatnot ahead of going to the West Coast. They have to go to the West Coast a handful of times this year, playing both the AFC West and the NFC West. 
And we haven't really seen how this regime handles traveling to the West Coast yet. Uh, of their three years since 2017, they haven't had to travel to the West Coast. This will be the first season that they're traveling to the West Coast quite regularly. And every front office, every coaching staff has their has their preferences, so to say, with how they deal with that, whether they travel two to three days beforehand, whether they travel the night before or whatever. But it's going to be interesting to see how they manage that for sure. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up that the Bills haven't had a West Coast trip in a while. There was a year, either last year or the year before, every Bills game except one was at 1 o'clock Eastern no, I think time. It was, I think it was last year. Like, that is absurd. And now this year, only nine of the 16 games start at 1 o'clock. You've got yeah. three 4 o'clock starts with the West Coast games. you got your four prime times. So that's a big difference. And I don't know. I guess as fans, that's something we're going to have to kind of adjust to. You know, you, you're used to watching the Bills play at 1 and then the good teams play at 4. <laughs> right like that's well, that's become the routine that's been how it goes for my whole life and now you know we'll get a chance to see the bills on national tv a lot more now there's so many variables at play here though i mean this is a whole nother discussion we can have and we can only speculate about this right now there might not be fans in any of these football stadiums there might only be fans in one out of every four seats you know, I know the Dolphins have, have talked about selling 15,000 seats in their stadium that holds 60 or 70,000. So that's a, that's a completely different factor that completely changes the atmosphere. I mean, a trip to Levi Stadium in San Francisco probably isn't quite as bad if you take out the stadium full of fans and you're the road team. Right. You know, same thing with some of these other trips that the Bills have to make at New England. Um, you know, at Vegas and their new stadium. If you take all the atmosphere out of that stadium, it's different. And the same with the home field advantage for the Bills. Yeah, I 110% agree. I just, uh, I obviously, we've never seen football played where there's nobody watching aside from us out on a turf or out on the field playing backyard football with our friends. But in a professional football NFL atmosphere, it wouldn't even be that. It wouldn't be an atmosphere of anything. It'd just be two teams playing while the cameras are watching, while the announcers are talking about it. And it just, it, it'd be different. I think it'd be more weird for the uh, players than anything. Just, just imagining that you hear every word, you hear every syllable of every call. There's no longer any home field advantage. There's no longer any kind of disadvantage when you're on, on the road. And to be quite honest, this kind of leads me into a point that I was thinking about earlier this week of, the NFL has handled this situation admirably when you consider how certain leagues have handled it. I mean, there, there's two ways to handle this. And the, I mean, you, people can dispute amongst themselves of what's the correct way, what's the wrong way and whatnot. But when you talk about leagues like the, uh, the NHL, the MLB, the NBA, it seems like they're all kind of walking on eggshells with this. It seems like they're all just kind of taking that, cautious approach and there's nothing wrong with doing that i understand the pros and cons of doing that but when you take a look at some at sports leagues i'm not i'm sorry i'm going to call nascar a sports league but nascar ufc the nfl they're acting with this very swiftly they're acting with this doing what they need to do to get their business done and when you talk about these leagues they're being very professional like they're doing what they need to do and they're carrying themselves as if work's going to go on as usual. I mean, last night they had a UFC, I believe it was what, 249, right? Yeah, I didn't nope. get a chance to watch it, actually. I've been watching more UFC than I used to, but I, I didn't get a chance to watch it last night. 
But yeah, yeah. I, I missed it too. There was, I was a playing. lot of fights. There was like 11 fights. Yeah, there, it was a huge card. It was a great card too. Greg Hardy was on the card. It, it was a great, it was a fantastic card. And, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch it either. I was playing my Madden League, losing, losing three of my games last night. But I have a five-game win streak in head-to-head. So hopefully I can go. continue that. But my point is, is the, 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 these guys are all cutting out the bullshit. They're cutting through the bullshit, and they're getting right to business, and they're not sitting on their hands waiting. They're not walking on eggshells with it. They're treating it as if business as usual. And when you talk about a league like the NFL, they're going to play with or without fans. I'm going to say that. I'm, obvi- obviously, it's going to be very weird to watch a football game without fans. Obviously, it'll be very weird for the players to play a game without fans. Yeah. But the NFL – is business business comes first for the NFL. And if they have to play without fans, I think they're going to. Yeah, and two things to your point. The first being these businesses like UFC, NASCAR, they're seeing an opportunity to kind of get a monopoly on the sports crowd here because mm-hmm. I'm a very, very casual NASCAR fan. You know, I'll watch the end of the races if there's nothing else on. But I'm sure as hell watching that race next week now. Yeah. You know? Like, and a lot of people who feel that way or a lot of people are going to do the same as me, you know, and if you can get sports on, like I've been even been watching the Korean baseball, I'll record them. They're on it. They're on ESPN at five in the morning, the Korean baseball league. Cause I'm a huge baseball nerd, like unbelievable. Um, and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll watch the first few innings of Korean baseball, which that leads me to my second point is that watching that with no fans it's definitely different, but I feel like with baseball, the slower pace and kind of the more casual setting, it's not as different as it will be for football if we have to see that for football. Because baseball, you know, you're at the ballpark, you're not, get up, Bills fans, third down. Yeah. You know, you're just kind of relaxing, drinking your beer, having your hot dog. Football fans, it's, it's such a powerful environment that to take that all away, I think will be a lot different than it, than it appears with baseball. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens as the season gets underway in the first four weeks. I know there was a a theory out there by John Clayton. He threw out there the interconference games the first four weeks of the season because to to avoid any kind of significance of missing games. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I I haven't looked at every schedule throughout the league, but I know in the Bills schedule they have two division division opponents in the first two weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about a schedule where. I don't know if that was considered amongst NFL people. I'm not positive of that. But if it was, it, it seems like they definitely took a 180 with it, with having teams play divisional opponents in the first two weeks. And I think that is, is, a, is a sign of confidence from the league that not only will this situation subside eventually, but they'll have a solution to it if it doesn't. And they're not afraid of enacting in that solution. And they're not afraid of having to do what they have to do for business to continue as it should. But, I mean, we, we, we kind of got really sidetracked. We didn't really talk about the Bills as much as much as we <laughs> – as much as uh, we did this whole coronavirus p- pandemic. But talking about the matchup with the Chiefs, this is a game that the Bills must compete. The Bills have to look competent. You're on a national stage. And we heard for years that 2020 is the year. 2020 is the year. We need to rebuild. We need to rebuild. Okay, well, now you're hearing things like – like championship caliber, you're hearing things like find a way. That's what the Bills must do this season. I, I, I'm going to touch on my thoughts on that whole find a way motto or moniker or whatever you want to call it in a little bit. But when you talk about a matchup with the defending Super Bowl champions in your house on a short week, 
you have to look competitive. You cannot get the brakes beaten off of you. You can't look incompetent. You can't look incomparable to a Super Bowl champion because this is the point where the Bills, you can't just be competing for the AFC East anymore. anymore. Okay, you have three, in my opinion, average to below average teams that you're going to compete in that division with. You are now atop that division. You have the most talented roster in the division, head and shoulders above all three of those teams. I understand the Patriots didn't draft the quarterback. I understand they filled holes elsewhere, but that's a lousy-ass team. The Jets, they're a lousy-ass team. The Dolphins, I like what they're doing. They're they're taking steps in the right direction, but they still have a ways to go. They're a lousy-ass team. The Bills, it's not about winning the division. The winning division is an expectation this season. You must be competent with these teams that are not only divisional champions, but conference champions, teams that are going to be playing at the end of the season, one of the two or three best teams in the NFL, regardless, despite the conference. You have to look competitive against the Chiefs. You have to look like you are there. You have to look like you are ready for the moment, specifically speaking, Josh Allen in the offense. And fans will talk about how they're scared to play teams like the Chiefs. They don't want to play those good teams during their regular season. I welcome it. It's a great test to see where you're at because at the end of the season, you're going to have to beat those teams if you're making a run in the playoffs. And that's the point that the Bills are at now. It's no longer, oh, wow, can we break the playoff streak? Can we get into the playoffs? It's you got to get in, and then once you're in, you can make noise happen, especially with the expanded playoff. There's going to be 14 teams in the NFL playoffs this year. It's becoming more important than ever just to get in because anything can happen. Mm-hmm. not to mention that you're playing one game there's no series like in the other sports you're playing one game and if you can show up that day in january then you can make a run for it we saw what the titans did last year they made an impressive run they were playing really well that time of year Derek so Henry you... made an impressive run what's that i'm just making a joke the oh titans. Derek henry yeah, yeah. but um you, you when you play teams like kansas city it really shows you where you stand with them you know, if you go, if you come into that game and you play them hard and you lose, I take that as a win for me. You know, I mean, I'm not a huge moral victories guy, but it's better than the Chiefs coming in, beating you by 20, and showing you that you're still at a tier below them. And as far as the AFC hierarchy, I mean, you finally get the showdown of Allen and Mahomes. And I, I, after this game is over, if the Bills win, I never want to hear a conversation of whether the Bills should have picked Mahomes or, or, or Tredavious White. I will never want to hear that conversation again. If the Bills win, I'm, it's a tired-ass argument. It's a tired-ass discussion. I really don't care. The Bills took a different route when it came to building their football team. They didn't even have the general manager that would become their general manager in the building yet when they drafted Tredavious White and didn't draft a quarterback. Do you have any clue what kind of power struggle that is? Do you have any clue how far off they were and how different the situation was if the Bills were to have drafted Patrick Mahomes? It's a tired discussion. And if the Bills win that game, I hope we can put it to bed. And touching on your point of fans being afraid of big-time matchups like this, that's kind of going to be a theme of this season. A lot of fans are going to find themselves in positions that either they can't remember themselves in or they don't know what to do. This is a season in which the Bills are walking into for the first time in my life with expectations. There is an expectation, like I touched on, an expectation to be a divisional champion, an expectation to be a playoff, not a playoff contender, a playoff, having a playoff appearance, be one of the better teams in the conference. Those are all expectations as they should be. And what is this now? The fourth year of, of Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean? You are walking into a season in which this regime has never faced a circumstance in which they face expectations, where they have to arise to those expectations. They have never done it. 
This team, I've never seen a Bills team go into a season with solidified expectations, where the expectation is to make the playoffs and be a playoff and be there in the playoffs, be competent in the playoffs, be competitive in the playoffs, win a playoff game. I've never seen a Bills team with those kind of expectations. So with matchups such as the Chiefs on a Thursday night football, that kind of fear, that kind of that kind of feeling of not knowing how to feel for certain fans, I can certainly understand it after the season, after the team has been arguably kind of just irrelevant for the past 20 years, but now they've surged themselves back to relevancy with their best record in 20 years. And all you and I have ever seen is irrelevancy. Yep. Unlike a lot of other people who might be, you know, giving commentary on the bills, we weren't around for the Super Bowl years. Whether that's good or bad, we, we didn't get to see that. The only the Bills we grew up with were the navy blue uniforms, Terrell Owens, Willis McGahee, Lee Evans. Terrell Owens was a bad player to start out my my two thousands Bills, but that was just that whole that whole year experiment was uh the first thing I thought of for some reason. But now you come into this season and you have a great chance to prove yourself. And I think the Bills have gotten a lot of respect from both the league, from the national media, and football fans in general, because that goes a long way. You know, football fans respect franchises like Green Bay, Pittsburgh, obviously New England. And, you know, you know when you're getting, when you're playing those teams, you're getting a quality opponent, whether they're playing well or not that year. And I think that the Bills might be at that level. And also, if there's one player in the NFL who can prove himself this year, it's Josh freaking Allen. Yeah. It's Josh Allen. He's got – I mean, there's – the comparisons with him to other quarterbacks are non – and people simple hat will rate him on the spectrum way up high, whether, oh, you just made the comparison, can he play with Patrick Mahomes? People, people say that Sam Darnold's better than Josh Allen. I disagree with that, but they play week one. Josh yeah. Allen and Sam Darnold – will square off week one and that's just Allen's first chance of many to show that he is a good quarterback in the NFL now do I think he's there yet no because he hasn't proven himself but I think that this year is a huge prove it year for Josh Allen now that he has great weapons around him he's in a system that he's comfortable with and I think that this is the season where he can really put up some numbers in his third year whether that's in the air on the ground or both are just having that clutch gene and doing what he needs to do to beat some good football teams. This year is one that Josh Allen can really make a lot of progress around the league. Yeah. It's a, it's a prove it year. It's a prove it year for the bills. It's a prove it year for this regime. It's a prove it year for Josh Allen. It's a prove it year for Brian Dable. It's a prove it year for the bills. You talk about last season with all those question marks kind of surrounding you. You didn't really, you didn't beat a playoff team aside from the Tennessee Titans who had a different quarterback starting when they made their playoff surge. And, you know, there was kind of just question marks surrounding that playoff berth. Was it legitimate? Did they, were they a good team last year? Yes. I 110% agree that they were a good football team. They deserved to be in the playoffs and they were competitive against playoff teams, such as the Patriots and the Houston Texans in a game in which I just, I felt like there was a really bad game plan into going into I thought that the Bills should have beaten the Texans I thought that the matchup played in their favor against the Texans and you talk about a team where last season they played a bunch of bad teams the Bills I I, I mean the Bills had a pretty easy schedule last year 
and now you pretty much take that into a 180. You have an offseason in which you get a, one of the better receivers in the NFL, Stephon Diggs, where you draft best player available. Aside from the second and third round, when you arguably could have said the two players that you picked in the second and third round were the best players available. Mm-hmm. And you draft for depth, you build your roster the way you've spoke of the last three years. And this roster is really kind of locked and loaded. That's why there's expectations. That's why there's a feeling of not only a must win, but they should win. The Bills should win. And I feel like that's the kind of, it's not unprecedented. This is planned. Josh Allen's going into year three. This is the year that Josh Allen needs to take a similar step to that he took last year. And that's that's kind of where that fear comes in. That's kind of where that knowing, not knowing how to feel for fans. I, do I think Josh Allen is capable of taking that step? Absolutely. But the matter of fact is, is that the Bills' success in 2020 hinges on that of Josh Allen, hinges on the success of their young quarterback. If Josh Allen sucks, they're going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. If Josh Allen's okay, they're going to go 10-6. and six. If Josh Allen takes a leap next year, they're going to go 12-4. and four. That's just – that's really how the, – the most – the easiest way I can break it down for people – is it all hinges on the competency of this offense. It all hinges on the development of Josh Allen, and it all really hinges on how good their quarterback play is. Because in this league, you can kind of fake around with bad quarterback play, but you're never going to be in the upper echelon of teams with a schedule that is as difficult as the Bills and have a good record if your quarterback play isn't good or above average. This is a year that the Bills – can put their name in the conversation with the perennial powerhouses in the league, the Kansas cities, the Seattle's, the San Francisco's, those teams that have been good every year and they're going to continue to be. And at the same time, Josh Allen can put his name in the higher list of quarterbacks. I don't know if he, what he could do this year to, if he's considered elite, an elite quarterback. And that's a word that gets thrown around a lot and used a lot um, when rating quarterbacks, but Allen can really put his name in the conversation of good quality NFL quarterbacks. He can also put his name in the hat that he sucks. Here's your right. I mean, I have been an adamant Josh Allen defender this entire offseason. You know, his stats obviously have not been that impressive so far. People will talk about the completion percentage a lot. I understand it's a problem. His running is a plus, but people will say, oh, well, what good is that if he can't throw the ball accurately? But when I defend Josh Allen, I say – Give him this year. Give him this year to show us what he can do with a heightened receiving core, continuity with his offensive coordinator, and in a system that I think he can really shine because I think that this is Allen's year where he really takes that next step. Am I certain about it? Of course not. You know, he could come out here and be the same old guy that he was his rookie year, throwing the ball all over the field, and the Bills might have a losing season. You know, that can happen. So when I defend Josh Allen, I don't rule out that possibility because I think it's irrational to do that. It's irrational to think that, oh, Allen's going to be good this year because that's what quarterbacks do. They get better their third year. And so he's going to have an MVP caliber season. No, it's, I'm not, it's not a guarantee. I'm not betting. I'm not putting money on that when I make that statement. But I think that he really has the chance to do it. And I will be a lot more critical of Josh Allen after this season, whether good or bad. Yeah, that's, that's, you you touched on excellent points there. And really, really the only reason of why we're talking about just those primetime games is because those are the big matchups for the bills this season. Are they not? 
are they not literally the games that, okay, if the Bills season's good, they beat this team. If the Bills season is in the dumps, they got throttled by this team. You're, you're playing both teams that played in the Super Bowl last year, both of them. You're playing both the defending AFC and NFC champions. That is quite a mountain to climb. That's quite – you're going to find out if Josh Allen's it. You're going to find out if this regime has what it takes to bring that team to the Super Bowl, not just the playoffs anymore. That's really where – I mean, I keep bringing up that point of fear. That's really where it comes from is it's no longer just, a, well, let's just throw some shit together and hope we make the playoffs and break the streak. It's now and well that's now what this it was for so long. Exactly. That's the thing is that there's some people like you and I like there's a difference between understanding that idea of okay now it's time to take that step and be a Super Bowl contender not just a playoff contender. There's a difference between understanding it and experience it, experiencing it. There's a whole crop of Bills fans such like Jeff and I that grew up and just knew nothing but just abysmal football and abysmal roster building and marketing moves like Mario Williams coming to Buffalo, like Marv Levy as a GM, just some just shitty moves to put asses in seats. There are a whole crop of fans that don't know what it's like to go into a season with expectations, whether it's for the quarterback, whether it's for the team as a whole, whether it's for the regime, there is a whole crop that just doesn't know how that feels. There's a whole crop that doesn't know how it feels to have the bills in the spotlight. And this is really where you find out if this team has what it takes or not and giving the bills primetime games against like I, like we touched on the chiefs as well as a prime, a Monday night football game against the 49ers, a matchup against probably one of the best rosters in the NFL that isn't the Ravens or the chiefs. That is going to be a really good game. That's going to be an intriguing game. That's going to be a game where you're going to similar to the chiefs. You're going to find out what this bills team has. You're going to find out if they're going to be a contender or a pretender, if you will. Yeah, and what better time to do it than now? I mean, I don't when in the early 2000s when you and I were young, I don't think we realized the level of mediocrity that the Bills had for so long until right. now that we're actually seeing winning football. It's crazy. It's it makes you really appreciate it too and it and like you said, it is a different circumstance this year than it has been in the past and it's exciting. I'm sure a lot of people think it's scary. Because, like, I'm a Yankees fan for baseball. So, it's, real, it's gotten to the point where it's like win the damn World Series again, you know? And, and that's a lot different than my fandom with the Bills or with the Sabres. It's like, you know, you, it, you really it's really see how they're trying to build this from the ground up. You don't have this big empire of, you know, a sports franchise that can do anything and has accomplished so much. So it's it may it's a little different because it's exciting that you see them take that next step. And now, if the Bills go twelve and four this year, Bills somehow went thirteen and three. I don't even know how that would happen with the schedule they have. But if Josh Allen has plays out of his mind this year and that happens, then you're a, a Super Bowl caliber team. I think if you win twelve games this year, then you're as good as anyone else in the league. That's how tough the schedule is, and that is how much parity is in the NFL. If you win twelve games this year put yourself in the same conversation as the chiefs and the Ravens. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Your last year, they didn't really have opportunities to prove how good they were because obviously their schedule was lacking, but this year it's not the case. It's put up or shut up this year for the bills. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. They played with what they were served last year as poor as that schedule was. 
They can't control who they play. All they did was execute and win 10 games and had their best record in 20 years out of it. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a situation where it's okay. Yeah, you're exactly right. Put up or shut up for the Bills. Put up or shut up for Josh Allen. Put up or shut up for Brian Dable. And Jeremy Turner Montgomery touched on this point on the Cole from Report live show on Facebook. If you're not following us on Facebook, go do that. Cole from Report, uh, Cole and Buffalo Bills News. I don't know why I always struggle with that. But anyways, you brought up an interesting point because and I parallel in the thinking with this of Brian Dable. Jeremy and I agree on many points of Brian Dable and his just his asinine offense to those that want to be reminded. But um, he, he stated that week six, when the Bills play the Chiefs, that will either be the make or break point for Brian Dable. If the Bills offense is kind of just sputtering, if it's kind of just running in place like it did at periods last year, if there's really no identity for the Bills offense, and that's something people really just kind of forget to talk about, is that the Bills didn't have an identity on offense. People tried to spin it and say Josh Allen's their identity. Well, this is their – no, they didn't have an identity. An ide- identity is what you're going to do when it's third and one. What are you going to do? Well, you don't know what the Bills were going to do. They were either going to hand it off to Frank Gore or do something, do, run a quarterback power, something of that variety. That, those were the play calls in Brian Dable's uh, playbook for third and one. But when you talk about an identity, that's something that's so critical going to this season for, that, for the Bills offensive coordinator. He needs to establish an identity. And he has all of the personnel. He has all of the tools to, certify, to, to, to place something on this offense. People, people dispute amongst one another whether they want an offense to have an identity or they want to have a multifaceted offense. There's a difference between being – that like you can have an identity while also being multifaceted. You can have an identity and be a running football team that hands it off to your running backs 25 times a game and throws it another 30 times a game. You can have an identity and have a a bread and butter and still be good at passing the ball and still be good at running the ball, whatever it may be. That is going to be a point in the season. Bills fans need to keep an eye on Brian Dable because I I think if you're at week six and this offense just lays an egg on that on national TV against the defending Super Bowl champions like we talked about. The Bills have to look competitive in that game. And if the offense is why they lose, if the offense is why they seem to struggle this season, I wouldn't be shocked to see Brian, Brian Dable get the boot. I expect it, actually. Because when you talk about a season with expectations where the whole franchise is under the radar, the whole franchise has expectations. Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean. People say, oh, well, he's not going to fire somebody midseason. This regime, you're damn right they will. When this is a representation of how good this regime is, how good this team is, and in the reason they're losing again, the reason they lost six games last year, actually you could call it seven because they lost that playoff game in Houston, I placed that on the shoulders of the offense and the inadequate play calling of Brian Dable. If, it's, if this season starts to turn a point again, and I feel like if it were going to happen, it will happen week six. You'll find out week six whether Brian Dable's the guy until the end of the 2020 season. You're going to find out what he has as a coordinator, and you're going to find out if he's going to be the long-term offensive coordinator for the Bills. And no, I don't think – I think th- this coaching staff, this regime, is not going to take the fall for a shitty offensive coordinator. And I'm going to say what it is because Brian Dable is a shitty offensive coordinator. And if this team is sputtering, if this team is failing inevitably because of that offense, because of that offensive coordinator, no. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean aren't taking the fall for that. They're going to fire his ass like they should or like they should have and they're going to promote Ken Dorsey to their offensive coordinator in week six. 
Well, I'll tell you what, folks, a month into the 2020 NFL season, if the Bills offense is not clicking and it is due in part or fully because of play calling, you're not going to want to let your kids tune in to the overtime podcast presented by the Cold Front Report because there will be expletive galore coming out of Clayton's mouth talking about Brian Dable. We saw last year you and I had this conversation plenty of times on the show of whether we thought Allen was the blame and his development was reason for the Bills offense, bad offense early in the year, or really the whole year, I guess. I mean, they were they were nothing better than mediocre on offense last year, or whether it was due to the play calling. And I hope that that's not a conversation that we have to have again this year because it would be so convenient just to move past that. You know, that's a big hill you have to get over. you got to score 20 points if you're going to win games. You have to score over 20 points, no matter how good your defense is. And if we can move past that point where the offense is barely scraping by, that will be a big, big weight off the Bills' shoulders and their ability to succeed. The potential for the team just skyrockets at that point. It does, yeah. If the the offense can produce half as much, not I wouldn't say half, I'll say 60, 70% of what the defense does on a weekly basis, then you'll see this team skyrocket. You'll see that. 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 13 and 3, what have you records. You'll see those really good records for the Bills this season if the offense takes the necessary step it should. If Josh Allen takes the necessary step that he should, the step that I believe he will. And you know, going into this season, I've said honestly, I've said it since last August. I didn't say it on air last August. I said it off air to one of, to one of my college buddies. And I also said it at the end of the Houston game. I said it in the middle of the season at some point uh, on this podcast, and I, on, I I forget after what game it was. But I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out for uh, for everybody since we're talking about expectations. I think Josh Allen's going to be an MVP candidate in the 2020 season if the offense isn't sputtering. I know I'm taking a complete 180 here when we're talking about the offensive coordinator getting fired to next the the quarterback being the MVP. But if Brian Dable's offense is good, if it isn't sputtering, if the wheels aren't just spinning, if it's not just a treadmill offense that, I, that we've seen in the past, if Josh Allen's taking the next step and he's getting his weapons involved, if he's using his running backs, if this offense is firing on all cylinders, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that Josh Allen will be an MVP candidate in 2020. I'm not going to lay out some sort of statistic prediction. I'm not going to say he's going to score X touchdowns. He's going to have X yards. He's going to have X interceptions, X rushing. That's not what I'm going to do. All I'll say is that at the end of the 2020 season, I believe Josh Allen will be an MVP candidate. I felt this way for a long time. I felt like, I feel like if he takes as much of a step as he did last season, that that's where he will be at the end of the 2020 season. And the Bills' success this season will parallel in that. And with that, I, I, I believe this team's going to finish 11-5. and five. I know we didn't go game by game, say, win this one, lose this one, win this one, lose this one. But I feel like this team is going to be 11-5. and five. I think 12 wins is a bit unrealistic. I feel like that back-to-back road games before the Chiefs is going to be difficult to overcome. I feel like playing the 49ers, who have one of the best rosters in the NFL on Monday Night Football, is going to be difficult to overcome. I feel like, well, I'm not scared by the Steelers matchup on, on what is that, Sunday Night Football? Yeah, I'm not scared by the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. And the Patriots, well, that's, that's just where the Bills put the stake in the uh, Patriots dynasty and finish their season with an exclamation point. I'm going to say Josh Allen's going to be 
an MVP candidate at the end of the 2020 season, and then are going to finish 11-5 and five atop the AFC East, maybe 12-4, and four, and have a bye week. That, that would be ideal. I could see that happening, but I'm going to stick with my prediction that I felt kind of the whole offseason that will be 11-5. and five. Well, if Josh Allen is an MVP candidate this year, then the Bills are going to win 12 games. I mean, if, if he plays that well, then there's no limit to what this team can do because, I mean, you really look at the team other than – maybe your offensive line, Josh Allen might be your weakest link. Is that wrong to say? No. I mean, the defense obviously is the strength of your team. You have great receivers. You have a couple good backs that complement each other. I mean, Allen might be your weakest link. And if that weakest link, which is also happens to be the most important player on your football team, has an MVP caliber year, you're going to beat a lot of good teams. I don't know. I, don't, I can't necessarily agree with you that I think Allen will be an MVP candidate. I just don't see that being there for him I mean I like I said a few minutes ago he could prove himself this year and have a great year and then I will judge him based on that but I'm just not sold on that yet I will think I do think he will throw for 4,000 yards he hasn't done that yet in his career I think that Allen will throw for 4,000 yards um I think that ball control will be a big thing for him that he if he you know limits his interceptions like he did in the second half of last season but as far as predictions, looking realistically at this schedule, knowing how the Bills play and how they handle big games, I'm going 10-6. and six. I think that's a very realistic way to approach the season. The Bills will win some games that they're supposed to lose, quote-unquote supposed to, and they'll lose some games that they're supposed to win. You know, trap games always are a factor. We also don't know who is going to be good at this point. I mean, obviously you have your Kansas cities and Baltimore's, but you look at a game like Pittsburgh last year going into the season, you figured you chalk that one up as a loss because you, you didn't think that you'd be playing their third string quarterback who could barely throw the ball. So it's, it's a bit too early to go game by game. Like, like we're choosing not to, but I think 10 and six is very realistic, but the play of Josh Allen, like you said, you, you killed it when you said play of Josh Allen will really depend really really the bills will really depend on the play of Josh Allen. And I think that he can propel them to a higher record than 10 and six, or he can sink them to a record lower than 10 and six. But that median is a good place to start. I think for me is where my expectations are coming into the season. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting season. You know, you have, you have all your pieces in place. You have, you have, you made your free agent acquisitions. You made your draft picks. The Bills fans release a schedule – or not, oh, excuse me, Bills fans. They, the NFL released the, the schedule for this season. And kind of to piggyback off of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, there, you know, some people that follow me on Twitter, they've seen some of my tweets lately talking about the toxicity of the cesspool that is Twitter. But a lot of that really stems from all the things going on in the world with the coronavirus and how some people handle themselves on Twitter. Because you have these days during all of this. You have NFL free agency. You have the NFL draft. You have the, the, even the schedule release. I normally am not too excited for a schedule release. But when there's quite literally, like, like Jeff and I talked about earlier, the absence of sports, the absence of feeling of there being a competitive nature, of there being something to look forward to with sports at all. Because there's no baseball. There's no basketball. Anything. Something as measly as the NFL schedule release gets people excited in times like this. And if you are one of those people that just kind of just throw shade at people that look forward to these things, those people that 
kind of just criticize those that look forward to things like this that are just not okay with are just not okay with people getting paid millions during a pandemic not okay with these kids achieving their lifelong dreams during a pandemic okay we all understand the dark cloud that looms over everybody in the country in the world right now we all get that we all know about it we're not ignorant to it but don't criticize people for distracting their attention with something like this getting themselves excited about their team making acquisitions getting themselves excited about knowing who their team plays at the home opener hoping that they could go to that game getting themselves excited about potentially going to vegas with their family or their friends for for a bills and raiders game the first game to ever be played in las vegas of the first ever football game that is don't do that don't be an asshole like that that's just not cool i don't understand why people are like that that kind of plays into the whole feeling of toxicity the feeling of arrogance on that website and you know i just wanted to cover i understand it has nothing to do with the bills but it does have stuff something to do with the nfl it does have something to do with bill's twitter because it's something i see far too often the whole the whole vanity thing on twitter is something i see far too often and i think taking trying to take away the joy of people watching their teams improve people getting themselves excited about something that isn't just you know being able to leave the house being able to go to work getting a stimulus check getting people excited about something that isn't doesn't revolve around the unprecedented unfortunate circumstances that now face the world in its entirety today just don't be that guy don't be that asshole and if you are shame on you you got the mute button i don't do that to many people on twitter i do it to people that are just unnecessarily negative about all of these things that just shade an even darker cloud over the one that already looms amen to that no room for negativity no room for negativity now with that Jeff, if people want to follow you and uh, your takes on Twitter, where can they find you? Well, if you want to, for whatever reason, you can find me on Twitter at RealJUVEINO. Um, you can find me on Instagram also, I suppose. That's at Jeff Uvino, my name, UVEINO. Don't forget to follow the Cold Front Report on Instagram, Twitter, and like us on Facebook. That's at Cold Front Report underscore Bills News on Instagram, at Cold Front Report on Twitter, and Cold Front Report colon Buffalo Bills news on facebook and if you'd like to follow me you can find me on twitter at cfr clayton and on instagram it's the same exact handle actually you know what i just threw up a page uh, we, the cold front report uh or excuse me the overtime podcast presented by the cold front report now has its own facebook page you can find much of the content that you'll find on my instagram on the on our, our on our facebook page so uh feel free and go ahead and like that if you choose to and thank you all for tuning in stay safe Stay healthy, and this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by The Cold Club.